This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Feisty, fearless, and fair. Telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Wild details coming out on the attack on Paul Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's husband. We're going to talk about that later on in the show because now the district attorney in San Francisco and also the feds are releasing some details that just makes this story so wild. Turns out also the guy seems like obviously he's a loony kazoony. He's all over the place uh, philosophically. But he's also an illegal immigrant that should have been deported years ago and has a rap sheet. So we're going to get into a lot of the details about the actual crime itself. It's horrible. The good news is um, it sounds like Paul Pelosi will make a full recovery, which is amazing because he did get hit over the head with a hammer. Um, But just it's such a wacky case. And the politicization of it by the Democrats, to me, is just shameful. It's just so disgusting And it also, I think, sadly, highlights crime around this country. And that's not a good thing, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, independent, anybody. Um, It just shows the facts of how bad things are in this country. And we're going to get to that later on in the show and get your take of just some of the details and the disgusting politicization that's happening. And also, by the way, President Trump made some comments about it, too. Everybody has been resoundingly condemning the attack on Paul Pelosi. It's horrible. I mean, it's just when you hear the detail of someone breaking into his home. Um, Here is what President Trump had to say about Paul Pelosi. With Paul Pelosi, that's a terrible thing. With all of them, it's a terrible thing. Look at what's happened to San Francisco generally. Look at what's happening in Chicago. And you look at what happens in Chicago in one weekend. Last weekend was brutal. It was like a war zone. No, we have to give the police back their dignity, their respect, they can solve the problem. And it's fascinating because he's talking about other details surrounding this case, but also talking about the fact that crime is skyrocketing across this country. What are your thoughts about that, everybody? Let's, in fact, let's go to Phil real quick because he's here on the line. Phil, your thoughts first off, and we're going to take more calls later on in the hour, but your thoughts about this, Phil, go ahead. We're talking about Trump now, right? We're talking about Trump and the fact that, by the way, a lot of people were saying, where is Trump? Not that he had a responsibility to respond. He wasn't attached to this crime, uh, although the Democrats want everything to to be Trump, Trump, Trump. Um, but he came out and said, you know what? Um, it's terrible. It's horrible. Obviously, it shouldn't have happened. And crime across this country is terrible, too. Yeah, well, well, it's more than that. Uh, my, my fear is that uh, the uh, U.S. attorney is going to try to indict him. And by doing that, they're not going to put him in jail. 
They're going to, you know what they can do. They can what do you, really are you talk, who are you talking about, Trump, or who are you talking about right now? Well, well, who are we talking about? We're talking about Trump, you said, right? Yeah, well, we're talking about Trump, but I was talking about it in relation to Paul Pelosi. But go ahead, you because you bring up a great point, because at the same time, they're trying to go after Trump for everything, including his, you know, his tax no, no, records, Trump. everything. Right. Right. The Trump tie-in is, of course, fictitious. The guy was a, was an illegal alien. He was a whack job. He was, like you say, Ludi Kazuti. The, the, the thing is, I, my belief is that he was invited in by uh, Pelosi's husband. I think there's something to do with this and also tie it in with the fact that he was caught driving drunk. I think he's had more than one encounter with this guy, and it went south. It went really bad south. And it's not a political thing. And blaming Trump, blaming Trump, say that Trump was somehow involved or the Republicans are somehow involved. It ain't happening. It's just a point of distraction because they want people to say, well, gee, Trump's a bad guy. So I better vote in the uh, midterms, you know. That's exactly what they're doing, Phil. Very astute, because it's like Trump, 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 Trump. Anything they can do to try to say, okay, well, the Republican Party bad. So when you go into the voting booth, everybody go in with something else in mind. All right. You know, say, okay, you don't want this. Um, it to me, it's disgusting. It is so so shameful. Uh, let's go to Andrew real quick. Line two, Andrew, go ahead. You're, you're right, but even more disgusting. The district attorney insinuated that it's political. The other side of Pelosi's political party, meaning MAGA and the Republicans, and they know it's not MAGA. So even law enforcement is is spinning it in the Democrats. And there's a long history. AOC, remember, she said she was attempted murdered. On January 6th, Hillary Clinton said she was fired on by machine guns when she visited another country and they land. So they they use anything to try to promote themselves. Yeah, you know what? You're right. It's it's taking sort of a life of its own and the fact that they are using this. But but you bring up the point also, the illegal immigrant, too. And Phil had just said that also earlier, Andrew, the fact that this is a guy who clearly was nuts, um, clearly was on all sides of the aisle. In fact, there are people that are talking that know this guy who was like, we heard that he was like sleeping in a storage shed, and then someone else said he was sleeping in a school bus in front of his ex-wife's home. He apparently has a long rap sheet, which includes elder abuse, um, and also allegations of like sexual uh, assault, too, on his like family members. I mean, I, what is this guy doing in the country? And the people that also live near him, neighbors were saying they thought he was progressive because he would like talk about Black Lives Matter and talk about all these other. So he seems like just somebody who's crazy, who's sort of all over the place. Um, and I think it's and disgusting. He, Don't you think, Andrew, that they have already like taken this like, oh, it's a Trumper and. And then they were upset that Trump didn't respond. Why? Trump didn't need to respond. He wasn't like he was instigating this person. It's outrageous. You're right. They didn't respond when Kavanaugh was attempted to be shot, assassinated the president. But I'll leave you with this image and apologize. First, it's uh, he was a pro-nudist activist. So he showed up with just a MAGA hat, a red MAGA hat and nothing else. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. You know what? And on a on a serious note, though, Andrew, you think about how about the Rubio volunteer who had a I think he had a DeSantis hat and had a Rubio shirt. And and yet he was assaulted. Where was Biden then?
Biden said nothing then, and the Democrats said nothing then. And you brought up Kavanaugh. Tonight, by the way, there are more protests that are planned outside the homes of Supreme Court justices, you know, outside of Washington, D.C. They all live in the, you know, D.C. area. So guess what? Do you hear where are the Democrats condemning those? I mean, that's outrageous. The double standard is so blatant, Andrew. You're right. It sounds like it could have been a domestic thing. Maybe he had a relationship with Paul or, you know, they knew him or. Although police you know, say, the, although police say that that's not true. But that what the one thing that's interesting is the police report. You hear like police scanners sort of talking about it. Police scanners basically saying, uh, yeah, he said his friend's David, his friend David is over here. So that I don't know if. He knew the guy. It doesn't sound like he knew the guy from now later reports. Maybe he was just talking that way in code because he was worried the guy might be overhearing him or something. So, you know, we so far no evidence that he did know the guy beforehand. Um, but the details are still there's still a lot of unanswered questions to your point, And that's that's troubling. Let's go to Chris. Line one. Chris, your thoughts about all this. Rita, I've been following this thing since it broke. I listened to Curtis did six hours on this the other night. I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. And trust me, this is what happened. Pelosi invited this guy over. He didn't have any alarms or whatever, so he disabled his alarms. He clearly invited this guy over. There was a third person there, okay? That was originally reported. There was a third person. So I think it was Pelosi, this guy, Frappy, and... uh and uh, a third person. Now, so think, they say no good. evidence of a third person, Chris. Where are you getting no, this but, third person? Now they're saying no evidence. No, Rita, this is the key. They're saying that now. The other day, the other day, they had a third person call. He's the one that let the police in the door. The police reported that. You know what you should do? Seriously do this. Yeah, hang on. Hang on. I'm just getting just because I just want to clear it up. The third the person who apparently told police. Now, this is what they're saying, Chris. Okay, I'm not you know, I wasn't there. I'm just telling you what they're saying today. There was a neighbor who was sort of like a security guy of a neighbor who thought he saw something suspicious with a guy with a black bag. But the police came at the call of 911. Um, which was Paul Pelosi speaking in code in the bathroom, and that apparently they won't say who opened the door. So that's, but they make it sound like it was just the two of them. So the, I agree. There's still some weird questions here. So what what's your point? Think about this, Think about this. All right, you're Paul Pelosi, according to the police. This story, which is bogus, the police story is bogus. The one that's coming out now, they're clearly just trying to cover up for him. If you're Paul Pelosi and you make a call at 2.45 in the morning and you're in the bathroom, why don't you stay in the bathroom until the police come? What are you doing going back out with this guy, then going down the stairs with him and then opening the door together? Because supposedly when the police walked in, the two of them were grappling with a hammer. So what did they do? Open the door and then, then resume their whatever they were doing? I'm just saying it makes no sense. Um I believe solely that there was a third person in there at the time, okay, and he opened the door, and when the police walked in, there were, they said Pelosi and this guy DeFrappi were fighting it out with a hammer. I mean, think about it. Would it, it makes no sense if Pelosi opened the door and let the police in, and then this guy takes a hammer and hits him over the head with it. They both walked down the stairs. They were upstairs, and that's where Pelosi called from. 
Why didn't Pelosi stay in the bathroom? Yeah, that because, actually that's a, that is an interesting and, and De Pop De Pap is how they pronounce his name, David De Pap. It sounds like frap, um, but the uh, it is an interesting. You're right. Why did he come downstairs? Um, why didn't he just sort of stay in the bathroom and lock the door? And, you know, and say, how long are police coming here? What's, what's happening? What's happening? You know, unless he thought, uh, you're right. That's an interesting point. Why wouldn't you just stay in the bathroom and hopefully have a lock on the bathroom door? Maybe he didn't have a lock on the bathroom door. Who knows? Right. When I say this, he knew this guy was let in initially. Trust me, as the, uh, the uh, Pelosi knew him, he even said his name. He knew his name. He well, that, he that's what, well, that's what I said was interesting, that in the original you hear in this call that they're recounting. They're like, uh, you know, the guy inside said it's a friend and his name is David. Now, you could make the case maybe he was saying that because the guy was somehow nearby in case he would overhear him. Um, who knows? You, you know what I mean? You know, who? maybe that was part of his weird code, thinking that if the guy overheard, maybe he thought – you know, Pelosi thought he was a nice guy or something like that. Sometimes when somebody's crazy, you pretend like they're not crazy or they're friends and he's trying to divert them. But you, you bring up there, it, it is awfully weird, Chris. There definitely are some weird holes to this story. Uh, let's go to Susan, line two. Susan, uh, Chris brought up some great points. What are your thoughts? Okay, so I want to go back to how the guy got through. This is a gated community. They have a, you know, they have like a, you, you can't get through unless the security guard stops you. You come in in a car. I don't believe you come in walking in your underwear. <laughs> so I my theory is that. Although there's no Paul, reports he was in his underwear. They said that um, that Paul Pelosi was in a, a shirt and boxers is what we heard, you know, because okay. he was awakened. Apparently he was in his bed and awakened by this guy. Okay, so but how did he get through the gated community, which is there 24-7, security guards, they'd have to give a code or call wherever the person is going, and what other security, every other person, many people that have had to go to their home have said the amount of security that's there. How did he get from the front gate to the home? How did he get in through there? Did he did he go through the bushes? Uh, how, and how did he know where Paul lived? And how did Paul know his name? Well, two, so two I things. Know two things, Susan. How he got to the home. That's a great. There's some great things there. Two things. First off, they haven't released any videotape, and that I think is really telling uh, to what you're saying because. You would think, especially a community like that, where there is a lot of people around, there's going to be a lot of security video. You know, whether it's, you know, the home security of the Pelosi's or the neighbors, you're telling me they didn't have, you know, security cams. Apparently they did. So why can't we see what's on the videotape? Exactly to your point, to see how did he get in there? The other thing the police said today, and this was interesting, the um, San Francisco police chief said that there was no security. So that, to me, is stunning. Um, he did have to break in, they claim, through the back door, the sliding glass door, and they said there was a broken window that he used that hammer to sort of break in through the the black, the black glass door, that there was sort of a sheet there, like a covering on the door, 
that could cause it, you know, to potentially, you know, crack on the outside and in the inside. That's according to some different detectives. Some say no, they've never seen that. That's another weird thing. But the other point is um, this is a house that apparently everybody in San Francisco knew pretty much where they live because there's been protests outside their house. So it wasn't so secret where they lived, which makes you think, why wouldn't there be massive security around? And there's also been a couple of some pretty heated protests outside the house and around the house. They had actually somebody who, like, spray-painted some nasty things on their garage door. They had somebody that left, like, I think it was like a pig's head. Remember when they were, like, leaving pig's head around, like, the country and some uh, different people's houses? Remember all that? There apparently was left in front of their house. So they've had some heated protests, which, to your point, why wouldn't you have massive security, given that everybody knew where you lived? You're by yourself, the, the husband by himself. Um, Because she's not there, so there wasn't Capitol Hill police because they follow her, not the family. Um, Maybe they should be following the family of high-profile folks. But it is odd that he somehow got through, and why are they not releasing videotape? I mean, that's that's an interesting point, Susan. You bring up some great points as to why why did he get through the gated community, Um, especially a high-profile home in a gated community. You would think there'd be uber security all over the place. And how was it so easy that he just got in that a little hammer could get through? I mean, that, there's there's some yeah, serious flaws going on here. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. We're talking about the latest details as a big press conference took place later on today, just a few hours ago. And it left us, I guess, with more questions than answers. We'll be back after the break. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. And this Looney Kazuni, 42-year-old David DePoppy, who was a nudist, he was an illegal immigrant. He overstayed his visa by a couple years. What was he doing in the country? There's so many questions about this guy who allegedly broke into the home of Paul Pelosi. And we've been talking about the security because after this press conference later on today that we just heard, I have more questions than answered, too. I mean, it's like weird. But this is what the San Francisco D.A., Brooke Jenkins, had to say about how he got into the very high profile home in San Francisco. Take a listen. There was no security present and that he was able to break the window to a glass door to gain entry into the home. And then let's play 27, actually, cut 27, where it further sort of describes a little bit of how he was specifically uh, going after Nancy Pelosi. Take a listen. The defendant brought to the location of the Pelosi residence a second hammer, as well as zip ties, rope and a roll of tape. What is clear based on the evidence that we have thus far is that this house and the speaker herself were specifically targets of the defendant. 
saying apparently that he wanted her to stop with her lies. And if she wouldn't, then he was planning to basically break her knees and make sure that she goes in a wheelchair basically back to Washington to send a message. And when Paul Pelosi, according to authorities, said she wasn't there, wasn't going to be back for a few days, this crazy guy said, well, I'll just wait for her. And that's when he somehow got into the bathroom to make this call. There's, It's just a weird, weird, weird case. Do you think there's something missing here? And what about the fact that nobody in California, such as like Gavin Newsom and others, none of them are talking about this illegal immigrant and crime in San Francisco in general, as if this was the only crime that's ever happened. It's horrible. Never should have happened. We all condemn it. But the way they're putting it in perspective is just downright odd based on everything. And it opens the door to like, wait a minute, what do we know about this guy? Um, why are they, why do they seem like when the DA came out today? By the way, this is the DA who just got put in place. She is the one who took the place of Chesa Boudin, who got, remember, recalled not that long ago for being soft on crime. So she's the new one. And for some reason, she has been extremely reluctant, it seems, to like talk about who answered the door. Most A number of you brought that up. Also, the background of this guy. What about his criminal history? Why was an illegal immigrant even in this country? Boy, are there a lot of questions. We're going to continue with your questions, everybody, right after the break. It is a fascinating case and many unanswered thoughts. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the show, A powerful story coming from Plainville, Massachusetts, where a local officer there has been recognized for helping to save the life of a 69-year-old man who fell and was knocked unconscious last summer. Officer Jacob Davidson was hired just last February, and he received the Plainville Police Department's life-saving award for his actions during an emergency uh, that took place, a medical emergency, on June 16th. Davidson was the first officer on the scene when a local man fell and struck his head on concrete stairs in his home. And when Officer Davidson arrived, he found the victim was breathing abnormally and immediately began CPR. Davidson notified a dispatcher and continued his life-saving measures until the local EMTs arrived to take the victim to the hospital. Now, doctors at the hospital and Plainville EMTs confirmed that the quick and effective actions by Officer Davidson absolutely saved the man's life. The chief of police in Plainville, Massachusetts, said our officer's heroic and quick actions under extremely adverse conditions bring credit upon himself, his family, and the police department. And he's extremely deserving of this recognition and more by the citizens of our town. Beautiful to see a local officer there recognized for the great work that law enforcement does every single day. And by the way, everybody, be sure to join 77 WABC and Red Apple Media and Ramsey Mazda as we honor law enforcement officers across the nation. It takes place this Thursday, November 3rd, with special guests and commentary throughout the day 77 WABC and Ramsey Mazda back the blue. 
and we do it on Thursday, November 3rd of this week, honoring our great law enforcement. And we'll be running a whole bunch of neat interviews also on this show, too, as well, where we highlight great officers and also how important it is to support our great men and women in blue. Well, today we were hearing from the chief of police about Paul Pelosi. And I don't know about you guys, but there's still so many unanswered questions. It's really odd uh, because this guy, and I call him a loony kazoony because he's clearly a lunatic. He's clearly off kilter. Um, David DePoppy is his name. And turns out he has a rap sheet. We're going to find out more about that tomorrow. But so far, a whole bunch of different things in his history, some violence, elderly abuse, also allegations of sexual assault on family members. I mean, this guy has a whole bunch of different convictions, and you wonder, why was he in this country? Apparently, he was an illegal uh, alien. He came in, he overstayed his visa, and should have been deported. Why was he not deported before all of this so he couldn't have assaulted Paul Pelosi, for starters? I mean, you look at his background, you go, why was he still in the country? He was living in Sanctuary City, San Francisco, like Sanctuary City, Los Angeles, like Sanctuary City, Philadelphia, like Sanctuary City, New York City. I mean, it's outrageous. Why was this guy even in the country? He overstayed his visa. He had a rap sheet. Send him back so Trudeau can take care of him because that's where he's from. He's from Canada. So, I mean, this is just a typical example of sort of the soft on crime policies, why this guy was even there to begin with. But if you listen to the Democrats, oh, no, 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 they don't talk about that. It's all Trump, 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 because this guy at one point had made some comments that sort of sounded like in line with that. Also sound he was talking about like also separately he was talking about QAnon and then he was talking about Black Lives Matter at one point and talking about progressive policies. And in fact, so much that neighbors said they were surprised when even somebody was tagging him with Trump because they're like, no, I thought he was a far left winger. He just sounds like he was a troubled guy who was all over the place. But still, there's a lot of questions about this break-in. He could now, by the way, between federal charges and also state charges in California, he could potentially face up to 50 years in prison. Serious stuff. Um, Because attempted murder is one of the things they're saying. Uh, Playing to kill Paul Pelosi, obviously playing to kill the wife. Um, An assault, clearly. I mean, there's a lot of various charges that he's being charged with on a federal and also local level. And uh, hopefully this guy won't get bailed out, right? Maybe Kamala Harris will bail him out, right, with the Minnesota Freedom Fund. I mean, come on, give me a break. I mean, I think throw the book at him. Clearly he's a nut and a danger to society. But why are they not treating all these other nuts that we've seen across the country of late with the same sort of focus and same sort of appreciation for the victim? All victims should be listened to, not just Paul Pelosi, but every single one of them. And yet there's still a lot of questions about this case. Listen, this is what the San Francisco DA just said a little bit ago, Brooke Jenkins. And she talked about how she can't be clear. One of you had just mentioned this on one of your calls, that it's odd that they can't say Who opened the door? They're very specific as to what he said. They're very specific as to certain things, but they can't answer who opened the door for authorities and how many times Pelosi was hit. It's a little odd. Listen to this. So at this time, it's unclear which of the men opened the door. And uh, we are also still fleshing out how many times he was struck in the head. 
So it's odd. Why would you not know who opened the door unless somebody was standing behind the door? You know, you should explain that if it's if it's because you couldn't see the person or do you just not want to tell us for some reason? I mean, you know, there's some weird things going on here. And then why not show some surveillance video? Clearly, there's got to be surveillance video from the Pelosi's home. There's got to be surveillance video from other neighboring homes. It's a nice area, as we've been talking about. And obviously, an area that's been targeted in the past, you would think, especially, apparently, there are surveillance footage. So why not see it, right? Um, And also, then they asked in the press briefing, what about body cam footage? And this was the response about police body cam footage. Sometimes you get that information right away. But for some reason, they're not seeming to offer it up quite now. Listen. When and and if will will we see the uh, body cam footage from the cops? Uh, when it is made available during a court proceeding, that will not, that's the way that this works. But will it become public? If it is played in a court proceeding, it will be public then. Yeah, which could be a long time from now. I mean, especially if this guy pleads guilty, which it sounds like he has pled guilty, or at least he's pled to what he said he did. Apparently, they say that he said blank, blank. Some of the things he said right in front of them, too. Um, that his plan was to do X. So he's clearly a, a, a loony kazoonie. And at least authorities overheard him making these claims to Paul Pelosi. So they've been able to repeat some of those things. But where? why do we not know that? Why don't, why don't we release those details? Why is it such a, a mystery? It's interesting. Why are we not seeing it? What is there to hide? Why not just put it out there, especially to show what's going on? And yet the DA there couldn't wait to say time to turn down the rhetoric, which I think is a good message, but it should go on all sides. Take a listen. As leaders and as citizens, it is incumbent upon us all to watch the words that we say and to turn down the volume of our political rhetoric. We should be able to all engage in passionate political discourse but still remain respectful of one another. Violence certainly has no place in San Francisco or in politics. And that is 1,000%. But why not also focus on the fact that this guy clearly had a mental history, had a violence history, and shouldn't have been walking the streets? I mean, there's a lot of lessons learned here. This guy should never have been out to attack Paul Pelosi or anybody. And how many times are we hearing about these stories over and over again, as opposed to them talking like it's Donald Trump is responsible? What about sanctuary cities being responsible? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Dom, uh, line one. Dom in Minnesota. Go ahead, Dom, your thoughts. Yeah, Rita, first off, I want to condemn in no uncertain terms the attack on Paul Pelosi. I wish him a speedy and full recovery. My problem with this incident is not the, you know, you know, dastardly act, but really the sad, too tired justice system in our country today. It took cops less than two minutes or so to get to Pelosi's residence. The only way a cop comes looking for me so fast is if I'm a fugitive from the Supermax prison. So think of the act on Lee Zeldin, Steve Scalise, and then the conservative campaign worker who was stabbed. And I was I was looking at uh, you know the CBS News the la- the last best of the liberals media when Ryan Paul was attacked and Nancy Pelosi's daughter 
endorsing the attack on Rand Paul. Apparently, that tweet has been taken out of Twitter. So my take is that leftist liberals can survive politically only with a massive clampdown on free speech. They don't agree with. So, and I think which explains why they're going after Elon Musk, guns blazing. Uh, and my last point I want to make is this country is a serious risk of losing free speech. We have forgotten that even hate speech is free speech unless it specifically calls for harm to another individual, and it cannot be regulated by the constitution. I mean, regulated by the government. I mean, I'm, I'm saying too much, but I think that's. I feel really strongly about this. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No. And you know what? What I also don't like, and you brought up Rand Paul. Rand Paul said, you know, when what happened to him, and by the way, what happened to him was when that neighbor attacked him, and he had six broken ribs. I mean, that's mm-hmm. serious stuff, Dom. And yet yep. people were kind of going around laughing, the Democrats. I mean, there's video of, you know, different people on MSNBC kind of saying, oh, no big deal. Or, you know, if I see Rand Paul, I'm going to do blank. I mean, even Nancy Pelosi, by the way, um, came out recently, remember? And she was saying, if I see Trump, I'm going to punch him. Remember that video that came out of what she was saying, apparently, on January 6th? I mean, there's so many comments out there. Maxine Waters, you get in their face. You, they're not welcome. They're not here. It's like they what where I have a problem is I don't like anybody um, threatening anybody else. And, and I agree with you. I think any anything like harm or threats or anything should not be on social media. I think people are allowed to say things, even if they're distasteful or, or whatever, to your point about free speech. Um, but when it gets to like harming somebody else, I think it's obviously completely inappropriate, no matter what side it's on. What I have a huge problem with, Dom, is the double standards is just it's shameful because they have become so transparent that they were using this over the weekend, basically saying, you know what, Um, this is proof that, you know, that Trump and all his supporters are terrible. And there were, you know, there was no evidence that this guy was like a like a Trump supporter or Trump, uh, what is it, like a surrogate? What do they think? It was like uh, Trump's son or something? I mean, they, it, to take that leap is so unbelievably irresponsible from a troubled guy. When the right, on the other hand, when that whole thing happened with Steve Scalise, remember in the ballpark where he was beat up, uh, shot at, nearly died, and other people were shot too. People were going around saying Bernie Sanders is responsible. The guy was a Bernie Sanders supporter. Remember, he had a list of like people he was going to target. And and I wouldn't have thought it was right to tar- you know to mention Bernie Sanders. Nobody else did either in terms of him being responsible. I mean, to me, that was that was a guy who was clearly a Bernie Sanders supporter. But it doesn't. That's not Bernie Sanders. The people are loony. And when somebody has a, a history of crime and a history of mental illness like this guy does, why wasn't he locked up? And how dare you use this right because it's right before the midterms? It's like. Okay, let's see. Uh, What else can we do to try to bring Trump in? Because it didn't work in some of the debates. It didn't work in here. It didn't work in here. So anything we can do to sort of bring in Trump or smear anybody tied to Trump, we got to do it because the midterms are coming up and we're not doing that well so far in the polls. I mean, to me, it's just so disgusting and so transparent and how desperate and the fact that to this day they have still not condemned the Kavanaugh, the guy who showed up outside of Kavanaugh's home with zip ties, just like this guy. We were just playing the comments uh, from the um, San Francisco DA who was talking about what was found in the bag of this guy, Dom, who, um, you know, was uh, attacking Pelosi. Apparently in his bag, he had zip ties, he had gloves, he had rubber gloves, clothes gloves, he had duct tape, he had another hammer. And what about the guy who was outside of uh, Kavanaugh's home? 
the you know Supreme Court justice. He was planning to kill him. He told the marshals he was planning to kill him. Thank God he uh, didn't do it, didn't try even. They got stopped, remember, but he was right outside his house. And in his bag, they had zip ties, had apparently knives, had all this stuff. I mean, you know, and they didn't say anything. I mean, that's what's so disgusting, Dom. What do you make of that whole double standard? It's gross. Rita, Rita, I got to ask you a quick question. I think with all your wisdom, this is the question I have. I don't care if the guy is a Trump supporter, Pelosi supporter, Rand Paul supporter. The problem lies with the guy and nobody else. Nobody forced him to take that action. Why can't people understand that? So and my question to you, Rita, is, is how do we as a society get that message across? Nobody but the person perpetrating that crime is responsible no matter what the political persuasion is. And I think we need that as a society. I don't know how to do it, but I wish you could kind of fill the gap for me. (laughs) Yeah, by the way, I 1,000% agree with you. It is his responsibility. But it's also, I think, part of the fact that society is not holding these people, at least a lot of sanctuary cities aren't dumb, and a lot of soft-on-crime you know, leaders aren't. I mean, look at so many of these cases that we've seen of late um, all over the country where the person has a mental history, um, whether or not they were a legal alien or not. First of all, he wasn't a legal alien. He could have been deported. He should have been deported well before this happened because apparently he overstayed for years and had a, a rap sheet. So, I mean, to me, why would you keep somebody like this in this country? What, what's the benefit? There's no benefit. I mean, it's it's stunning. He should have been deported the first time he committed any crime. The minute he overstayed his visa, he should have been deported, quite frankly. You know, I mean, there's so many things that went wrong here. But it's also the soft on crime opinion, I think, of so many leaders in the Democratic Party in particular that are giving people that clearly have a mental history a pass as opposed to saying, oh, you know what, let's help them. Here's a guy who had clearly was a loony kazoonie. Had abuse in his background, threats, assault, all this stuff, sexual allegations against him. Um, there's apparently a whole bunch more in his background. We're going to probably find out about that tomorrow because there's arraignments tomorrow, Dom. So we have to have also people in leadership that aren't so uh, naive or, or whatever, manipulative. I'm not sure which um, to allow people like this that are a danger not only to themselves, but to society to get them off the streets. Because what's the point of having somebody like that that's going to do this? The writing was on the wall. When you see this guy's background, he's nuts. He clearly is violent and mentally unstable. But so was the guy in New York who opened fire on the train car. So was the guy who stabbed somebody when the EMT was walking down the street. Remember that one? I mean, all of these, there's something in common, and we're not doing anything. And that is really, really troubling. But the Democratic Party's got to admit First off, that they got to get tough on criminals. And that's another thing we're going to talk about later on in the show, because Kathy Hochul, remember, during the debate was like, I don't know why you're talking about, you know, crime and criminals and all that. And now she's saying that rising crime's a a conspiracy, like it doesn't exist. They want us to pretend like these people out there that are dangerous to all of us don't exist. It's a figment of our imagination. And how are you going to fix something if you don't admit you got a problem? So they got to wake up and and smell the coffee and realize it's hurting all communities, including their own. And they've got to step up. 1-800-848-9222. Thanks, Dom. We'll continue with your calls after the break. The Rita Cosby Show.
It's appropriate that it's Ghostbusters. It is Halloween. I think the scariest thing is to dress up like Biden because, boy, he's not doing well in the polls. Apparently, he is not dressing up for Halloween. He doesn't need to. If you look at the skyrocketing gas prices and inflation, that's scary enough, right? Boy. And he is also trying to scare everybody for voting for Republicans, even politicizing the attack on Paul Pelosi. Take a listen again to what he had to say in response to the attack by this crazy guy. He's basically trying to tag it back to Trump in January 6th. Listen to this. It's reports that the same chant was used by this guy they have in custody that was used on January 6th. And the attacks on the U.S. Capitol. I'm not making this up. This isn't reported. I can't guarantee it. I can tell you what's being reported. The chant was, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? This is despicable. There's no place in America. There's too much violence, political violence, too much hatred, too much vitriol. And what makes us think that one party can talk about stolen elections, COVID being a hoax, there's all a bunch of lies, and it not affect people who may not be so well balanced? What makes us think that it's not going to corrode the political climate? Enough is enough is enough. Every person of good conscience needs to clearly and unambiguously stand up against the violence in our politics, regardless what your politics are. Wow. He's fired up. And you heard what he said. Nancy, Nancy, Nancy. He had nothing to say after the assassin shows up at Brett Kavanaugh's house. That, to me, just shows how political and disgusting it is and how desperate they are heading into the midterm elections. Let's go to BJ, line six. BJ, your thoughts. I love how liberals love to lecture us uh, about political rhetoric when they uh, uh, kept their mouths shut during the summer of 2020 when the country was in flames and they surrendered a police station. But, you know, conservatives, we're the ones that are stoking the flames of hatred. I get it. You know, I don't really know what happened to Paul Pelosi. A lot of people calling up, oh, I know this. I listened for 20 hours and this and that and the other. You know what? I don't care what happened. I hope he gets better. He's an elderly man. No one should be treated that way. She, you know, I, I don't know what what's, he's had a very rough year. Apparently, he has uh, some type of drinking issues. He was driving uh, under right, the he influence. Had the, right, he had the big DUI you know, arrest. He clearly yeah. has had, and he's, look, I, you, I, my thoughts and prayers are with him, too. Yeah. It's such a sad thing. It is. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, but but the the bottom line is this, and it, you just summed it up by playing that clip from Joe Biden. The Democrats got nothing. They got nothing going on. They have high prices going on. They have border insecurity going on. Uh, they have supply chain shortages going on. They have an unstable global climate going on. And they've done nothing. So this is a perfect dumpster fire to distract everybody. Eyes on the prize. Vote Republican down the line. BJ, thank you very much. And when we come back, by the way, they want us to ignore crime overall. Not they don't mind highlighting Paul Pelosi, but any other crime in this country, they don't want highlighted. We're going to talk about that. We're we'll continue your calls on Paul Pelosi. All of that, everybody, in the next hour. 
This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Looks like Democrats overall are in the state of denial when it comes to crime. You know, the Paul Pelosi horrible ordeal about the attack on him. They don't seem to mind talking about that crime, but it seems like any other crime they don't want to talk about, that everything else is fictionalized. That one, because it serves their interests and they can somehow link him even though it's, boy, is it a stretch, to January 6th or to Trump or to anything that they want to use for midterm elections, clearly. Even though this guy seemed to be all over the map, he just was loony and had progressive tendencies, supported Black Lives Matter at one point, didn't support him at one point, uh, was a QAnon guy, wasn't a QAnon guy. I mean, the guy just was a nutty guy. It's his responsibility. He shouldn't have been in the country. He's an illegal alien. He was overstaying his visa. So there's a lot of issues with that one. That one has a lot of holes in it, like Swiss cheese. But they seem to think that all these other crimes that we're also seeing right before our eyes, that those are basically, quote, part of a right-wing conspiracy. And that seems to be the message that they want us all to believe as we head into the midterm elections. We're looking again at, I think, one of the most definitive, most important elections of our lifetime taking place in the next week or so. And so the Democrats see the polls. They see that they're not doing well in the numbers, uh, that the races are tightening. A lot of races that they thought they had in the bag now are up for grabs and they're worried. And they know that crime is rising. Yeah, you, you can't dispute the facts. You can't dispute that people are worried, that people are fearful, that there's statistics that back it up. Violent crime up in New York, by the way. Major crimes up eight, uh, 36%. That came out in a report in August. You know, uh, deadliest cities, basically, of America. Democrats at the helm of 11 to 15 of them. 11 to 15. That is a stunning number. And so when you look at the numbers and you look at what we all see every single day, that crime is rising. People are worried, especially in major cities across this country. People are fearful. They're changing their the way they just go out to dinner. They're changing their work habits. Uh, women are very worried in particular. I mean, there's a lot of issues here. And they want us to believe that that it's not happening, that the Nancy Pelosi attack, the one that happened on her husband, Paul Pelosi, oh, that happened because that's against a Democrat. So they want to use that. But the other ones, they're not happening. And that, to me, is just a stunning hypocrisy and just shameful and just such a disservice because we all see that crime is rising. We're seeing it before our eyes. We feel it every single day. And I think that this is really going to backfire on the Democrats, that they're trying to basically say that Americans don't know what they're really seeing with their own two eyes, that their, their perception's wrong, and the only people who are right are the Democratic politicians. 
And maybe they're hoping if they say it over and over enough and that more and more of them are saying it, maybe somebody might believe them. But unless you're living under a rock, you see that crime is rising and it's skyrocketing in New York City, up 31 percent. You know, we feel it every single day. You see, when you walk down the street, you smell the drugs, you see the homeless people, you see the attacks, you see the headlines. They're real. They're not made up in our head. And I think it is such an insult that Democratic politicians across the board want us to believe that what we're seeing with our own eyes is a myth, that it's just not happening. And they're doing it to cover their own behind because crime is so bad. And their policies of loose, you know, loose repercussions for criminals doesn't seem to curry favor in any sense with consideration for the victims, the cash bail, the no cash bail, the soft on crime DAs. I mean, this is a mess. The qualified immunity, all the things that they've done to law enforcement and all the things they've done to make it easier for criminals. They don't want to admit that their policies just aren't working. And that defund the police, all of that rhetoric has backfired. Guess what? Cities are under siege, and they don't want to admit it. And so they want us to think heading into the midterms, what crime? Whatever you're seeing, you got something going on wrong in your head. We know what we see. We know what we're experiencing. And I think it is a shameful and a desperate tactic by the Democrats who know that their policies just have not worked for America and they haven't kept us safer And they may pay a dear price, I believe, in the midterm elections because people are fed up and they don't like being talked down to and they don't like being dismissed. And case in point, I think one of the worst ones is Kathy Hochul, what she did. I want to walk you back first off to what she said. Remember in the debate, because New York City, it's horrible crime, not just in the city, but in other cities across New York State. It's really, really bad. And so during the governor's debate that just took place recently, Lee Zeldin, the Republican challenger, the congressman, who has been very much a law and order candidate who's made crime a center point. Remember, he was even a victim of crime. Somebody assaulted him on the stage in a campaign rally. There was also a shooting in front of his house when his teenage daughters were home. So he knows crime is definitely real. It's not fictitious. And so here is Lee Zeldin talking during the debate, trying to just get an answer from Kathy Hochul as to why don't you kind of uh, get tough on criminals and stop coddling criminals? And she wouldn't give him an answer, but here's one of his attempts. You know, it's amazing that we're going to be able to go through the entire crime conversation of this debate, and we're still waiting for Kathy Hochul to talk about actually locking up criminals. I mean, people are at home waiting for action to make sure that the handcuffs are going on criminals instead of law-abiding New Yorkers so that people can go walk the streets of Manhattan instead of having to call an Uber just to go two blocks because they're afraid. People who have changed their behavior, they're not riding the subway at the same hours. Maybe they're Jewish, they take their yarmulke off because they're afraid of being attacked. Maybe there is a woman, they tell me these stories of having to hug a pole or grab a guardrail because they're afraid of being pushed in front of an oncoming subway car. There are criminals out there who need to pay the consequences for their action instead of the catch-release policies that Kathy Hochul champions. And so finally, she finally answers. Remember during the debate? And this moment, I thought, was disastrous for her. Take a listen to how she responded to that. This governor, who still, to this moment, we're at, what are we, halfway through the debate? She still hasn't talked about locking up anyone committing any crimes. Okay. Anyone is- who commits a crime 
under our laws, especially with the change they made to bail, has consequences. I don't know why that's so important to you. I don't know why criminals having consequences is so important to you. I mean, that is the most bizarre thing I have ever heard. And clearly, people didn't like it. I didn't like it. As soon as she said it, I was like, are you kidding me? How dismissive of crime victims everywhere in New York and what we're all seeing every single day. And so now she doubled down over the weekend. This is stunning. She's with Al Sharpton, who, by the way, Al Sharpton, I'm not necessarily a fan of Al Sharpton. I'm sure a lot of you are not either. But Al Sharpton, to his credit, has been sounding the alarm bells. Even Al Sharpton's been coming out and saying, you know what, we need to talk about crime. We need to talk about what's happening in the African-American communities, how crime is skyrocketing, how there's all these problems. We need to address it. Even Al Sharpton's been kind of sounding a little bit of the alarm. Thank goodness, because it's so obvious even Al Sharpton sees it. And yet, she's in the interview with Al Sharpton on his MSNBC show, and she basically said, Crime is one big right-wing conspiracy. Sound familiar? Take a listen. These are master manipulators. They have this conspiracy going all across America to try and convince people that in democratic states they're not as safe. Well, guess what? They're also not only election deniers, they're data deniers. The data shows that shootings and murders are down in our state by 15%, even in New York City, down 20% on Long Island, where Lee Zeldin comes from. And it's the, it's, the, it's the Republican states where they have almost no restrictions on guns. Because of the abundance of guns, people are killing each other with more frequency. The safer places are the Democratic states. That is not correct, and that is a bunch of hogwash. So it's a conspiracy by the GOP as opposed to admitting that her policies and that of other Democrats just do not work. She wants us to think that there is no crime, that what, there's no problem at the border either? That's what they're saying. That This is such an insult to our intelligence. And Jesse Waters on the Five on Fox News had this to say because he said people just believe that Democrats are tone deaf. She lost votes. If you go on MSNBC on Al Sharpton's show and say it's all a conspiracy, liberals watch MSNBC. They even watch Al Sharpton on the weekends. New York City liberals watch that show on the weekends. And she's telling New York City liberals who are very concerned about crime because they feel it, that it's a conspiracy and it like might be worse in Indiana. That She lost a lot of votes with that comment. And I agree. And she lost a lot during the debate. And with that, too, it's like, oh, it's a conspiracy. It's all made up. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or Democrat. If you feel unsafe in your city, whether it's New York or other big cities across this country, you've just been totally insulted by Kathy Hochul and other Democrats who are saying the same thing. Barack Obama was saying it, too, on the campaign trail as he is trying to do a Hail Mary and help some Democrats. And yet Kathy Hochul in that same interview could not help but start to blame President Trump for the violence that's happened, including tying him again to all this stuff with Paul Pelosi. This woman is so over the top. Take a listen. We have to have our leaders, even a former president, should call it out because he is responsible for igniting the flames that have been going on since 2016, even when he was running in 2015, of allowing hatred to spew over into public acts. It's one thing about sitting alone in your basement and having thoughts toward a politician you don't support, but my God, now that it manifests itself in physical violence against the speaker's husband, 
We've gone too far as a society, and we have to stand up and shame everybody who has a part in this. And shame on you, Kathy Hochul, because you said nothing when Brett Kavanaugh had an assassin show up at his house. Where were you when Rand Paul had six ribs broken? I don't remember that. Where were you about Steve Scalise? To me, this is so politically timed, and it is disgusting. And there's no evidence that there's any tie with Trump to this guy. This guy was just a nutty, crazy, loony guy. And yet they are using it to try to say, oh, don't vote for Republicans. They're scary. They're inciting violence as if everything that they have been saying, like Maxine Waters. And and so what about, again, you know, Kamala Harris supporting the Minnesota Freedom Fund? Those are the rioters that were bailed out during the summer of love in 2020 that were beating up officers and other people. You know what? That's not too fun. You know what I mean? I mean, give me a break. This is ridiculous. It is so transparent. And yet then she took the leap because, remember, she's running against Lee Zeldin. And then she took the leap to say, well, okay, Paul Pelosi, there's crime. That's one crime. That's not a conspiracy. That's real. And that guy somehow is tied to Trump because at one point he said something you know, about QAnon or something, yet he's also talking about Black Lives Matter and progressives. And then let's take another leap. Let's go to January 6th, and then let's take another leap, and now let's go to Lee Zeldin. It's like the six degrees of of Kevin Bacon. This is like the 80th degree of Lee Zeldin. Take a listen to now how she wove this web. Lee Zeldin and Donald Trump and the mega Republicans are responsible for the, the most significant most significant attack on our nation's democracy, the assault on our physical capital on January 6th. So that is the biggest crime ever committed. This is just part of a pattern. You don't get your way, you <coughs> violate the rules, you attack the capital, you break the laws and coordinate with super PACs and large Trump supporting donors. That's how they think they can steal this election, too. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So this guy was nutty. Um, somehow they're going to pretend it's tied to Trump. Somehow then they're going to tie Zeldin. Um, and then she's going to say crime doesn't exist. Is there anybody out there who's buying any of this load of blank? 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Pete. Line eight. Pete, your thoughts about all this. Hey, Pete, are you there? Pete, we're missing you. Call us back if you could. Uh, let's go to let's go to Dave uh, in Orange County on line two. Go ahead, Dave. Hi, everybody. Hey, Rita. How are you? Good. How you doing? I am, I'm listening to your show. Great. Thanks. <laughs> and I have a thousand thoughts running through my head and talking about the Pelosi incident. All I can think about is like when they finally do get the footage, it's, it's going to be like the end of a Benny Hill show. with These two running around in their underwear at high speed with a hammer flying around. You know what? You know what? It is a bizarre analogy. Apparently, I guess they're saying um, what's his uh, Paul Pelosi was in his boxers and a shirt because he was woken up from from sleep, apparently. And that's how he sleeps. Um, I think crazy. the other guy now there's they didn't describe what he was wearing. So there, you bring up a lot of questions. Was he in his underwear, too? We don't know. Um but but it's interesting that that's like the crime of the century. It's horrible, by the way, and I absolutely condemn it. We have from the very beginning. And, of course, our thoughts and prayers are with, you know, Paul Pelosi and his family. It's horrible. Um, but it's like they are spotlighting that crime, but they don't want to spotlight the guy's background. All they want to say is, oh, he's a Republican. 
or whatever, but he wasn't. Apparently, he's like all over the place. He's just a kook. Um, and yet he's an illegal immigrant, as it turns out, who should have been deported. But if not for Gavin Newsom's soft on crime sanctuary city policies, that's why he was still basically in California. I mean, it's like if you want to start pointing fingers, it ain't going to be pretty, Democrats. Dave, go ahead. I live in a, you know, a 20 apartment building. We, we've got cameras at the front door. We got cameras on the dumpsters. We got to, you know, fob in. You know, everybody knows who's coming in and out of my 20 apartment building. This is the third most powerful person in America, and you're telling me nobody knows who's coming and going at her place? And it's like, how come we can't get leaked footage? If this was a Republican, man, there'd be somebody leaking, you know, body cam footage and, and house footage. And how come we can't get a leaker? Well, you know, it's interesting. You're right, because if it was the other way around, we would have seen the footage already. And remember, even when Paul Pelosi um, had been drinking too much and was arrested for the DUI thing and that crash, the whole thing, that footage took a while to come out. Even that one took a while. It took even a while for them to even confirm that he even got arrested. Remember, they kind of buried it. And then suddenly the footage came out, but it came out a long time afterwards. And there's clearly uh, some friends in high places there that are protecting them. And if there's something that could also help to shine a light on the case that would be helpful to the case, they should put it out there. You know, because if there's some other, you know, aspect of it that maybe other people could fill in the blanks, that's important, Dave. Anyway, thanks for your call, Dave. Lots of unanswered questions. one 800 848 And I'll continue your calls after the break. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hochul, the governor of New York, who's running against Lee Zeldin, says crime is just a figment of our imagination, a right-wing conspiracy. Sounds like Hillary Clinton is giving her notes. And I think it is so dismissive and so distasteful to tell that to people in New York and other big cities across this country. By the way, coming up um, in about four or five minutes or so, we're going to bring in, we're going to have New York Police Commissioner, the former one, Howard Safer um, to talk about what he thinks of Kathy Hochul saying it's a conspiracy that crime isn't rising. She is basically a denier of crime and what this strategy is all about and just how off the mark she is on this issue. And the great former New York Police Commissioner Howard Safer joining us again in about five minutes or so from now here on The Rita Cosby Show. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Chris in New Jersey, Ashley. Line six. Chris, your thoughts. Rita, good evening. Well, my thoughts, I read recently after January 6th, each member of Congress, the House of Representatives, was given $10,000 to install security in their houses. How come no alarms went off at Pelosi's house? Yeah, and, and, and by the way, none did. You're correct. Go ahead. Right, yep. None did. Number two, the double standards of Democrats, it, it, it knows no bounds. I could you go back to when Kennedy and, and Nixon ran. They vilified Nixon. Kennedy was a, a, a immoral philanderer. We know that. His brother Bobby did his bidding as attorney general. His brother Ted, we all know what Ted did on top of being, you know, a boozer. Uh, they vilified Reagan. They vilified Nixon the second time when he ran for president and won. 
uh, they praised Jimmy Carter. Yeah, no, you're right. There's a history here of hypocrisy, Chris. Very, very astute. But people can see with their own two eyes that guess what? This guy's a nut and crime is rising. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment where we honor our great military and their families, a tribute coming from Long Island, New York, where to celebrate the 98th birthday of Eli Soblick, it happened on Saturday, his Hempstead Synagogue and area veterans honored the man wounded in World War II with a Purple Heart flag. The ceremony was held at Congregation Beth Israel of Cathedral Gardens, where a handful of veterans draped the purple flag around his shoulders. Some 40 members of the congregation burst into applause and a congratulatory chant. The flag bearing the symbolic, distinctive symbol of the Purple Heart Medal read, Honoring America's Combat Wounded Veterans. Soblick just had a simple yet profound reaction to the honor. He said he is overwhelmed, just overwhelmed. He was raised in Brooklyn, New York. Soblick said that he entered the Army when he was only a teenager. He served as a combat infantryman in the Pacific Islands, and he was wounded while serving in the Western Pacific. He got hit with shrapnel, shrapnel, which hit him in the back and also the neck. The wounds, however, were not life-threatening, obviously, so he was patched up, and he said, then they sent him back to the front. He later received a Purple Heart for his injuries. Bob Chipione, who is the commander of the Military Order of the Purple Heart for Long Island, New York, presented the flag, and he said, the World War II vets, there is not many of them left. We are so honored to be here because he is our hero. What a great story to honor this incredible American who is 98 years young uh, and to see so many generations coming out to honor him and his great service. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to the greatest generation. Well, you know that I'm such a big supporter and fan of our military, also of our police and definitely a big supporter of law and order. And I think right now with the election, guys, we are talking we're about a week away now. And it is time to get out and vote in states where there is early voting. Most of them get out and do the early voting or make sure that you make it there on Election Day, because this really is a pivotal, pivotal election. There is so much at stake. Security, safety is on the ballot. And if you listen to some Democrats, including New York Governor Kathy Hochul, who's up for reelection against Lee Zeldin, who's competing against her, she wants us to think That crime is a GOP conspiracy. She says it's basically made up by the GOP. It doesn't really exist. The numbers don't bear it out. What crime? What are you talking about? And she came up with that theory, basically. Again, she said it basically during the debate. But then she doubled down when she was talking to good old Al Sharpton this weekend. Take a listen to this. These are master manipulators. They have this conspiracy going all across America to try and convince people that in democratic states they're not as safe. Well, guess what? They're also not only election deniers, they're data deniers. The data shows that shootings and murders are down in our state by 15%, even in New York City, down 20% on Long Island, where Lee Zeldin comes from. And it's the, it's the, it's the Republican states 
where they have almost no restrictions on guns. Because of the abundance of guns, people are killing each other with more frequency. The safer places are the Democratic states. And joining us now to discuss all of this is former NYPD Commissioner Howard Safer. Howard, what's your reaction when you hear, you know, Governor Hochul saying that it's basically a conspiracy, uh, that crime is a factor in New York? I don't know what reality she's living in, but it's certainly not what's really happening. I mean, she's living in the fantasy world. The fact is crime is out of control in New York. Innocent people are being targeted, both in subways, on the street, random shootings. Uh, I think what she said is really irresponsible. Why do you think there is this disconnect? And it seems to be sort of like a theme going on with a lot of Democrats that, oh, you know, they're just making up crime, that Republicans are making up crime. Are they hoping that if they say that it's a conspiracy or it's made up that maybe people won't pay attention to it? But how can they not when it's on, you know, so many streets of New York and elsewhere around the country? Well, you know, it's it's the big lie. It's the fact these people are married to these leftist liberal programs like no bail and not violating any parole people and no stop and frisk. And because they're married to it, when they see that their views are a total failure, they just want to deny what is fact. I mean, you you can't deny the numbers, and the numbers are outrageous. You know, she says basically data deniers, which is why it's so amazing, because as you point out, and you know the numbers, you know, even better than I do by far, Howard, I mean, crime is up 31 percent in New York. And and yet she wants us to sort of believe it's not even there. And in fact, there was that moment in the debate last week uh, with Lee Zeldin, who's running against her. And he kept saying, you know, why won't you say, you know, criminals should be held accountable? She kept dodging the question. And then finally, she said to him, you know, I don't know why that's so important to you, basically. Uh, Why do you think it's so important? And that line, of course, made tons of headlines because it's important to so many people. What did you think when you heard that she made that remark sort of like, you know, why why do you care about crime and why do you care about, you know, repercussions for criminals? Well, you know, it's just like the Democrats are doing all over the country. They're denying crime. They're trying to make, you know, which is an important issue, but not, not the major issue that people care about. They're trying to make abortion the issue instead of crime and the economy and inflation which is really what people are concerned about. And, you know, she's denying it because she knows that what she backs is a failure and that people are not going to respond to it. So rather than uh, respond with facts, she just says it doesn't exist. And that's, you know, that's like going down a rabbit hole. How different do you think things would be if Lee Zeldin were to be elected? He has clearly said from day one he would fire soft on crime DA Alvin Bragg. Yeah, I think it would be a huge positive thing for New York and for the country because uh, Lee Zeldin understands what needs to be done with crime. He would support the NYPD. He would support legislation in Albany that would help the PD as opposed to Hochul, who supports legislation that restricts and harms the NYPD. You know, they keep talking, um, Hochul's team, guns, guns, guns. And that seems to be the common thread um, with Democrats across the country. They won't talk about locking up the offenders and making sure they pay the price. And in fact, even Kathy Hochul in the debate was like, well, yeah, there'll be consequences. It was so sort of nebulous. That was the toughest thing she even said after it was sort of forced out of her. 
Um, do you believe they are so clearly missing the mark by everything is guns, 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 um, whether they're legal or illegal guns? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the sad fact is there are 350 million guns out, out on the street in this country. And if tomorrow we banned all guns, there'd still be plenty of weapons available to criminals. So you have to deal not with the weapons, you have to deal with the criminals. And you have to make sure that they don't get the guns. And if they do that and they commit a crime, they get put in jail, not no bail. And why are they so soft on criminals? Why do you think it is, Howard? What is, what is it driving them politically to avoid answering that? I think they believe in that they're wrong. I think they believe that their political base uh, wants them to be soft on crime. But, you know, I remember I did 76 town hall meetings when I was commissioner, most in underserved communities. And so I heard from the various uh, minority groups was we want more police officers because we want our families protected. So they're just missing the point completely. And everybody, we're talking to former NYPD Commissioner Howard Safer here on the Rita Cosby Show. Um, You know, Commissioner, what about also the PBA, which is one of the police unions? Uh, They gave $25,000 to the Hochul campaign. There are a lot of people, a lot of police officers who are saying, what? Why would you do that? Well, I have a very different take on this. Uh, You know, first of all, as everybody I'm sure knows, the PBA is not the NYPD. The PBA is a union. And Pat Lynch, who is the president of the PBA and has been for a very long time, is very politically astute, and this is the way I think he's thinking. If Lee Zeldin gets elected, he's not going to be soft on crime, whether he got a donation from the NYPD or not, uh, from PBA or not. Whereas if Hochul continues in office, they're going to need to court her to get more laws passed that help the NYPD with salaries and benefits, because that's what the union is, is about. And what the PBA has done for many years, and it used to drive me a little crazy, is they would go to Albany and they would get laws passed that would benefit the police officers for wages and certain activities that weren't necessarily been within the budget or things that we could do. And they would get legislators in Albany who had no stake in New York and were not from New York to pass these laws that affected New York by giving them money. So I think that's the strategy here. So sort of hedging their bets, if they will, just to try to have a good graces with both, if you will, because they know that Lee Zeldin's going to do it, support police, and maybe try to curry favor with her. Because it's interesting, a lot of officers are really, really upset um, about no, that I, donation. I, I, and, I, and I understand that. But I think the strategy that Lynch is using is, is one that's worked for him before. And if Hochul does get elected, it'll put him in good graces with the existing governor. And as I said, if Lee Zeldin gets elected, he's going to support the NYPD no matter what. Right, because he's made it very, very clear uh, that he supports uh, the men and women in the blue big, big time. Yep. Um, before I let you go, um, Howard Safer, this is so sad. A corrections officer um, at Rikers was stabbed 15 times inside Rikers Island. Um, he said to be, thank goodness, in stable condition. But what are your thoughts just about how tough it is uh, to be in law enforcement these days, whether, you know, you're a cop on the beat, uh, on the street, or you're in Rikers Island? 
it's there's just such this utter disrespect for law enforcement. It is. It's a tragedy. And, you know, the corrections officers are probably the most unappreciated law enforcement officers out there. Uh, they day to day deal with the worst of the worst. And, you know, my view, Rikers Island has not been properly run for many years. And if it was properly run, we wouldn't have had, I think there's been eight deaths there this year. And uncounted numbers of attacks on law, law, correction officers. And, you know, that, that just shows me that the administration that is running that place does not have it under control. Yeah, 1,000%. Um, and it's also just an important reminder of just how risky and how dangerous it is uh, for those corrections officers and also for all law enforcement everywhere. Every single day right now, it is such a tough, tough climate to be in. Uh, Howard, thank you very much. Always great to get your perspective, especially about this really important issue, because I think crime, especially in the state of New York, is forefront. And it's in the forefront really across the country on so many states. Um, and I think Democrats are missing the mark by not paying attention to what we all see right in front of us. Absolutely. You know, it, it's there really is a blue line that is the difference between people live, living their lives with in peace and chaos. And the way the Democrats are going right now, they're heading towards chaos. And that is scary for all of us. Big, big time. Howard, thank you very much. Former NYPD Commissioner Howard Safer, thank you so much. Good to be with you, Reid. Really scary to hear what's going on with law enforcement. And there's someone who's the former NYPD commissioner, and he says, Kathy Hochul, that's a bunch of hogwash, that it is a GOP conspiracy, what we see with our own two eyes. Shame on you for saying that crime is not a reality, like just dismissing it. People who are scared to go into the subway, scared to go on mass transit, scared to walk down the streets of New York, scared in Los Angeles, other cities. It's just a myth in their own mind. That is unbelievable. And that, again, I use the word dismissive because it is so condescending to anybody who's been a victim of crime or anybody who sees it every single day when they walk down the street. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Norman. Uh, Line eight. Go ahead, Norm. Your thoughts. Yeah, Rita. Um, Kathy Hochul is gaslighting us. She's a liar, and she won't even go to her own rallies. Uh, I've been to two Kathy Hochul rallies, uh, which she was scheduled to appear already. Uh, one the other day on 161st Street on the Grand Concourse in the Bronx, and she doesn't show up. So that's how much she cares about her own supporters. She doesn't care about crime, and she doesn't care about her supporters. Um, which, by the way, uh, she does not is not getting a whole hell of a lot um, uh, on Saturday on the Grand Concourse. I mean, that would be a uh, Democrat stronghold. She had about 50 or 60. And we had I mean, we being the anti-mandate groups, the pro-Zeldin groups, we had about 20 or 30. And uh, we were full of energy and they were not. And, uh, yeah, we yelled and screamed and uh, basically uh defeated them. It was like shooting a fish in a barrel, in my opinion. I almost felt sorry for them. So, um, well, And by the way, Norm, you um, also, over the weekend, as you know, DeSantis was there in support of Zeldin. Yeah. And he came out and also blasted her for, this was before the comment that I just played where she said it's a conspiracy. Um, mm-hmm. but, but she made the famous comment during the debate where she said, oh, what crime, basically? I don't know why it matters to you. And he went off on her on that and said, how dare you? 
Um, so, yeah. you know, there's there definitely seems to be a lot of energy and momentum on the Lee Zeldin side, just in general right now. And uh, definitely the polls are closing in. I mean, he's within single digits. Do you think he's going to pull it out? Uh, do you think he's going to win, Norm? Yes, he's going to win. Uh, crime is real in the state of New York, in the city of New York. It's real in these blue states. I mean, I was a victim of a crime in a blue in Washington, D.C. Uh, the guy's running around out there. Some loony just hit me and broke my wrist. And... Uh, you know, uh, basically, it's real. I'm not making this up. Uh, and uh, and all these people who are victims of crime are not making this up. So, uh, you know, January 6th, January 6th, January 6th. Uh, yeah, you that, know, you're right. That's all they say. You're right. They're like yeah, a broken record, it. Norm. You're right. right. And, and and I think it's insulting to, to everybody, including people like you who have been a victim of crime, Norm, um, to, you know, to say, oh, it doesn't exist. It's it's a conspiracy. It's like uh, like we're hallucinating. Well, if that's right. the case, 99 percent of America is hallucinating. You know, I mean, right. you know, it's, it's real. Right. It is real. Norm, thank you very much. When You're we welcome. Thank you, Norm. When we come back, we're going to continue with your calls about Kathy Hochul saying crime is a GOP conspiracy. And also, we're going to continue talking about Paul Pelosi. Any unanswered questions you have about that case? There's a lot of them. And it turns out the guy's an illegal immigrant who attacked him with a long rap sheet and apparently, you know, molestation in the family allegations, elder abuse. Apparently, he never should have been in the country to begin with. But the Democrats aren't highlighting that. They're just saying Trump, 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 even though there's no Trump connection. We're going to continue with your calls after the break, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. And tomorrow, the suspect who's been arrested on the attack on Paul Pelosi, who's facing federal and state charges, he's going to be arraigned. So we may get some more details. We do know there's a lot of unanswered questions. It's a wacky case. And we also know that he was an illegal. He never, he overstayed his visa. He shouldn't have been in the country. There are so many questions about this case. And also it comes as the Democrats, that's the only crime the Democrats seem to want to talk about. They don't want to talk about any other crime. Their other crime is a GOP fabrication. But that crime, because it's an attack on a Democratic leader and they're trying to link it to Trump, even though it's a leap, they still want to talk about that because somehow they think they can get some political mileage on it which to me is just so disgusting to politicize it and dismiss all the other crimes that are out there. Uh, let's go to Jake on line eight. Jake, your thoughts about crime in general and also uh, the fact that Kathy Hochul is running for governor of New York is saying crime is basically one big GOP right wing conspiracy, which to me I think is really distasteful to say. And it's a lie. It's not true. You can hear me, Rita? I hear you loud and clear, Jake. Go ahead. Uh, all right. Kat, uh, Kathy Hochul. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's not a GOP conspiracy. Uh, I'm a GOP and a Trump supporter. And it's also not data, as she keeps repeating. Rita, we're in a new time. As you know yourself, you're a New York person that walks the streets. And it's not so much the numbers of murders, you know, counting the, ner- the, the, the shootings and ner- the, the murders and all that kind of thing. It's more of the random violence 
that when you walk out on the street at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you, somebody's going to hit you over the head with a hammer or push you into the uh, oncoming subway um, train. It's a feeling that, um, a, you know, an elderly woman up on the Upper East Side, East Side can't walk down the street and get her groceries or catch the first Avenue bus because she's going to get uh, um, assaulted, you know, in a broken neck on the sidewalk. That's one thing about Kathy Hochul. She's out of touch and needs to be removed. And I want to say one quick thing on on the Pelosi thing, uh, Rita. Yep, go ahead, real quick. Yep. Um, uh, Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, this this is actually, I feel sorry for for Paul Pelosi. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, don't feel sorry for her. For a long time, she's been showing, um, uh, you know what she did? She teared up. The archive documents, you know how we've been talking about the archives and Trump and Merrill, all them. Uh, she teared up the speech. Um, the State the, of uh, the Union. The, State of the Union. Yeah, that, that belongs in the archives, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, she it does. That's government property. That's a crime, what she did. Also, that by the way, by men- the way, Jake, Jake, that's a really good point, because you're right. She she basically defamed. Uh, you know, destroyed and, uh, you know, it was a document that certainly should have been in the archives. And that was so disrespectful, too. Even if, you know, I mean, can you imagine if it, the other shoe had happened on the other foot? They would have called for him to be impeached if he had done it, if it, if it was him ripping up the speech. It's so crazy. Jake, thank you very much. Real quick, I want to go to Anthony. You've been on hold for a while. Anthony, go ahead. Rita, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I like yourself. I just want to say this. I'm a big back to blue guy here in Rhode Island. I visited every police station throughout the state. I still visit them today. Bravo. So I just Bravo. wanted to say that. And thank you for what you do. And I love the, the, that um, every night when you play yep, our the, segment. Uh, thank you. Thank blue. you. I love it. But, but what I wanted to say was, no, we don't see the crimes happening in, in these states, nor do we hear the rhetoric coming from the left. Like like uh, Schumer uh, to Kavanaugh and Justice uh, Gorsuch, you'll feel the whirlwind come upon you. You, you know, know what? You know what? That's a fabulous point, Anthony, because you're right. You know, when he made that comment, that was so incendiary. I mean, that was outrageous. And guess what? Kavanaugh had an assassin outside his home. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.